Thank you for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to your life. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX. Now please enjoy this message. All right, so we've been talking about the presence of God over the last couple of weeks. And our core scripture is found in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, 44 through 46. But I'm going to read verse 45 and 46. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. So what we've been talking about is, is the presence of God and what it costs us to walk in the presence. And, and can I share this with you, that the presence of God is not something that you feel at church only. It's not just the tingling and the goosebumps that you get during that one worship song that really hits home for you. The presence of God is the dwelling kingdom of heaven on earth, and, and the kingdom of heaven is Jesus himself. And, and what the presence of God is that we're talking about is a presence that, that will dwell in your life and go where you go. The world will be changed when Christians can understand that we don't have to enter the presence because we carry the presence. We carry Jesus wherever we go. He's with us. He walks with us, so when we go to our jobs, when we go to our family reunions, when we go to our schools, when we go to those different places, we're not going by ourselves, but we're walking with the kingdom of God with us. And so I feel like God wants to do something in our church, something new, something fresh. But this is the thing is that we have to come to a place as individuals, and, and I'm talking about myself too because we all need to get a little bit more. We all need to walk a little bit further and grow a little bit more in the things of God. But we have to come to the place where we're desperately desiring God to move in our life. Because if we're not careful, church can become just church. And Sunday can become just Sunday. And then we wonder, like, why, why is it I'm coming to church on Sundays, but Monday through Saturday I feel the same and, and things look the same. And the reason is because we leave the presence here on Sunday and we go back to our house without him. But I want to I share with you that, that you can be a carrier of the presence of God. You could, he can walk with you. He can live with inside of your heart. This is not something that is foreign to us. This is not something that's for special people. This is for every individual who says they believe in Jesus. They can have the indwelling presence, the Holy Spirit in them. But this is the thing is, is we have to get to the point where we're not just asking about God, but we're desiring to know him. Now, let me, let me, let me kind of clarify what I'm saying here. Now, I've said this before, and I'm, I'm not much of a gym person. I don't really like to go to the gym, um, mostly because I don't know how to use any of the machines. And so... I like to go when nobody's there, and that's really early in the morning, which I don't like to wake up early. And so uh, pray for me. I have a lot of issues that I need to get over in my life. But so when I go to the gym, this is the thing. is If, if I go, and all I'm doing is asking questions, right? Like, hey, how do I use this, this thing? You know, how do I do that? They're like, oh, this is how you do it. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And I don't do it, right? Or like, hey, can you show me a good routine to work out on? And they're like, yeah, you could, you know, do this and do that. And, you know, it's like, oh, okay, that's a good idea, and I don't do it. It's really pointless, right? And, it, and it's, it's this thing is asking the questions may seem like you're trying, but results show the truth, right? So if I'm just asking and never doing it, it's going to show in my life. And it's the same thing with, like, our marriage, right? Like, I want a good marriage, right? How do I get a good marriage? What am I supposed to do? Well, you got to apologize once in a while. Amen. Come on, right? you you, you got to own up to your, your, your faults once in a while. That's okay, too, right? Right? Come on. Come on. It ain't easy, but we can do it. Right? How do I get a good marriage? Well, these are things that you got to love your wife. You got to love your, you got to honor your husband. Like, these are things you got to do. And it's like, oh, cool, cool, cool. That sounds good. But then when we get into the moment, 
We're like, how am I supposed to honor this dude? Did you not hear what he's saying to me? Right? I'm going to speak from that perspective because I felt that's safe. <laughs> right? But we'll ask questions, but if we don't do them, and then we're like, well, why isn't God changing my marriage? It's like, well, he's told you what to do. You just haven't done him yet. And so we have to come to a point where we stop just asking questions and we begin to do what he's told us to do. Like when we say, I want a deeper connection with God. I desire to know Jesus. I want to know him. And it's like, okay, well, these are things you have to read your Bible. You've got to pray. You've got to surrender some things. And it's like, oh, like okay, like I can read every, every once, once a week or so, right? Like, no, if you really want to know him, these are things you've got to do. And then we wonder, like, why, why, is not, why is my connection not growing deeper? And the truth is that we have to come to a point where asking is no longer good enough. Where we get tired of just asking questions. We get tired of just inquiring about God. And we come to a place where it's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to do whatever it takes to really know him. So we see this, um, this kind of parallel. And we talked about this a little bit. We talked about the scripture of the, the fine pearl. And we, last week we talked about Zacchaeus. And he was a man who gave up everything to receive Jesus into his home. But now we see a story that's kind of the opposite of that. It's found in Luke chapter 18, verse 18 through 27. If you have your Bibles, you could turn there. If not, it will be on the screens. And it says, and a, and a ruler asked him, <clears throat> good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, oh, excuse me. <clears throat> Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is possible or what is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, see, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to him, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come, which is eternal life. And so we see this story where this man has the opportunity to follow Jesus. And Jesus is like, okay, if you want to follow, you got to give up everything that you have to follow me. And now we like, some of us, maybe not all of us, take this story and we're like, okay, well, that means we can't have money. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that this man was a man who relied on his money and not Jesus. So not, not that having money is necessarily wrong, but it's how you prioritize it. And so here we have this man who who came to a place where, where we often come to with God where it's like, I want you, Jesus. And he's like, okay, if you want me, these are the things that you have to do. This is what you have to give up if you want to follow me. And it's like, oh, hold on. I don't know if I can give that up. We have to come to a place where I, we're, we're willing to let go to follow Jesus. And, and just on, can I say something? Just wanting God isn't going to make it happen. Just wanting change isn't going to make it happen. There's so many things that I've wanted in my life that I don't have, not because I never try to get them, right? I mean, we, I'm sure we could all agree on that one. Amen? Amen. 
Right? Just wanting it doesn't mean it's going to happen. In 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, there must be action behind our confession. We can't just say we want Jesus. Is it shown in the way that you act, the way that you live your life? True faith in anything will lead to action. True faith in anything will lead to action. So when you say you put your trust in Jesus, it's going to lead to action in your life. See, the young ruler wanted to follow Jesus, but it wasn't his desperate desire to know him. Because if it was, he would have left what he had, like the disciples did, to follow Jesus. But we see that his desire was not to know Jesus. His desire was to have eternal life. He wasn't concerned really with the relationship that it took. He was just more concerned about the gift that he can get. And how often is that our story, right? Like I want the good things God is willing to give me without my sacrifice. But it's this attitude. It's this attitude of like, God, I only want what you can give me as, as little. I want to give up as little as possible, right? Maybe it's just me. Again, pray for me. I need help. Right? We come to this attitude of, I just want to give up as little as possible. But we, gotta, we, we need to come to this place where it's like, I just want to know him. I'll give up whatever it takes because often this attitude of, I'll give up a little bit, you miss out on what God wants to do in your life. That's just the truth. I've seen so many people come in and out of church with tremendous potential to make a difference in the kingdom of God. And their lives are never used for, their, for what they could be because they're unwilling to surrender. And then you may say, like, man, this is kind of a discouraging sermon. Like, can't you tell me something good about myself? Like, can't you? this is good. What I'm saying is that you have a crazy potential and crazy calling on your life. God has a plan for you. But we'll miss it if we're too concerned with the things that we're, will, we're unwilling to release. I'll put it this way, and again, this is not to toot my own horn or anything like that, but I just want to give an example. We left California to come to Texas. Now, I love Texas. I love Hutto, Texas. I'm, I'm a, I love it here. I'm a fan of it. I would never want to move back to California. In fact, I just, um, and I'll say it officially to the church, I officially adopted the Longhorns as my, my college football team. So, yeah. hold up. How, hold on. How is that we got the most claps for that this morning and not anything else? Lord, help us, Jesus. But if I would have never gave up the good things that we had at home, we would have never walked in the blessings that we have in Texas. If I would have said, no, I'd rather do this, not knowing what God could possibly do here, we would have missed out. And sometimes we miss out because we really don't desire him. We really don't, we're not willing to let go. With, maybe maybe you've got to let go of the way you think about church. Maybe you've got to let go of the way you think about yourself. Maybe you've got to let go of the way you think about people, right? Like everybody's out to get you and everybody's out to hurt you and everybody wants to say something bad about you. Maybe you've got to let that go so that you can walk a little bit further in the calling of God. Because a lot of times it's not really our circumstance in life that holds us back, but it's the way that we think about our circumstance in life that holds us back, right? So when I, when I hear that God has a plan for my life, I immediately go to, and we all do this, we immediately go to our mistakes. 
And we immediately go to why not, why he can't, why he shouldn't. But can I encourage you this morning that those are the things that you've got to let go and let God work in you. Say, you know what, who cares where I've been? I don't really know where he wants me to be, but I know that I want to follow him. I don't really know why he wants me to let go of my riches or my old mindset or my old friendships or my old relationships. Or my, I don't really know why, but what I do know is that I want to follow him. And I'll do whatever it takes. The church has lost its power because they're unwilling to surrender. It's just the truth. Not every church, not this church. God's here. And there's a lot of good churches around that God is moving in. But the, the world needs to see Christians who are willing to let go. But here's the thing. Is a lot, what we'll do sometimes is we'll go into like, okay, what are the sins in my life that I need to let go of? Like, what are the sins that I know that are wrong. But this is the thing about the one thing that God calls us to. And, and the, the, what I loved about the rich young ruler is he was like, I do all the stuff you're asking me to do. And Jesus is like, hold on, yeah, you do. But there's one thing you lack. There's one thing that's hindering you. So what I want to talk about as I get into my 18-point sermon. No, I'm just kidding. What I want to talk about is this one thing in our life that keeps us from the Lord. And the thing about the one thing is it's not always obvious. It's not always the thing that slaps you in the face, right? Because this thing about the rich young ruler is wealth in the time that we're reading in. Wealth was a sign of godliness. A lot of times people would say, oh, if he's rich, it's because God blessed him. So he must be right with God. So it was out of the norm for Jesus to say it's the wealth that is keeping you from God. Because in their perspective, it was the wealth that showed that someone was right with God. But Jesus is saying the opposite. Because sometimes the thing that we need to give up, it, it doesn't really make sense to us. And we often think they're okay. We will, we'll look at it like, really, that's what you want me to give up? I thought that was okay. I thought that was a good thing, right? This is what Psalms 139, 23, 24 says. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in everlasting life. See, sometimes it's the friendships that you think are right, that are the things that actually God wants you to separate from. Sometimes it's the job that you think, like, this is the good thing in my life, and that's sometimes the thing that God wants you to separate from. Sometimes it's, your, it's, it's our drive for, for a career that is not godly or a career that is not in his plan for our life. And so it's that one thing that's like, well, this feels right. This feels okay. Are you sure that I have to give this up? But he'll, he'll challenge us and he'll work with us. Sometimes it's the way that we judge others and the way that we look at people. And we're like, well, I thought I had the spirit of discernment. We're like, no, man, you're just judgmental. <laughs> like, it's not discernment. I seen somebody post something like this and I thought it was interesting. He said, we're not, the spirit of discernment, we're called, to, we're called to see the best in people. I'm sure Jesus had the spirit of discernment and he hung out with some pretty bad people. Right? Sometimes we've got to let, if you want this church to grow, because it's not all just on me or my wife. If you want this church to go grow, we have to be people who love everybody, no matter the color of their skin, no matter their political background or political beliefs, no matter where they stand on social justice issues, no, whether, no matter where they stand on the things that you don't like. We have to be people that will say, I'll love you anyway. 
I'll love you anyway. I'll love you through that. I'll help you with that, right? We've got to be those people that love people because they're people. Not because you like them. Not because they like the same football team as you, right? Like, let's pray for Justin. He's wearing a Rams jersey. Help him, right? But I'm just kidding. Oh, by the way, Justin and Tommy are new to Texas. They moved here yesterday. And so let's just work, let, make sure you welcome them afterwards. <clears throat> Right? But not because they agree with everything that you agree with, but you love them because they're a person. If you want the presence of God to dwell in this place, we have to be people who love people. No matter where they're from. No matter what they look like. No matter if they have money or don't have money. We have to love those people. Because the presence of God, we, he dwells in a place of unity. He dwells in a place where people come together and they love each other. But this is the thing is that we have to desire it enough to give up these mindsets, to give up these hobbies and things that are not right with God. Because we can do everything right in our life. But if we refuse to give up the one thing, then we'll miss out on what God has for us. This ruler was like, I do, I do it all. Everything that you're saying, Jesus, I've done it. But then he's like, all right, go sell everything you have. And he's like, hold on. I don't know if I can do that. Because Jesus, Jesus is slick. I like the way Jesus works. Because he'll let, he'll let you talk. And he'll let you say, like, oh, I've forgiven that person. I've let it go. I've done this. And he'll say, okay, cool, man. But what about that? What about, what about that, that, that one thing in your life? That you refuse to let go of. What about that, that amount of money that I've been asking you to give? What about that family that I've been asking you to bless with growth? You know, what about that one thing? What about that thing in your marriage that you hold over your wife's head because she constantly does this? What about that thing in your marriage that you won't forgive your husband of because he did it 10 years ago and you still hold on? That's that, that one thing that, what about that one sin that, that you've done a long time ago, but I've been asking you to confess it so that you can be healed from it? What about that one thing? What about that, that little bit of anger and that little bit of bitterness that you're so, what about the pride and the hurt? What about those, that one thing, that's the one thing that he wants. And it's the one thing that, for some of us, is very hard to, to give up. And I know because I've been there, and I'm sad. I, the Lord still deals with me on things that I need to surrender. But can I say this? The more you do it, the easier it becomes. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. Because when we, when we live out this life where we're able to surrender, and we have this obedience to say yes to Jesus, then we see blessing on the other side of these things. But this is the thing, the reason sometimes we don't give things up that God asks us to is because we don't really see what will happen when we do. Right? The, Jesus told the ruler that he would have riches in heaven if he gave up his wealth. But he didn't believe him. Oftentimes Jesus, like, he'll tell us, like, hey, I can heal you if you would just do this. I could set you free if you would just do this. And we won't do it because we're afraid of what it looks like on the other side of obedience. I'll give you an example. When I was um, younger in my older church before we came here, um, there was some things in my life that I had to confess to my pastor. And he dealt, the Lord dealt with me for years, years on it. And I just sat on it because I was afraid and I was ashamed. And I didn't want to say it because I was like, you know how we do, like we, we, we create circumstances that aren't even real. 
Like, I'm like, if I tell him this, he's going to kick me out of the church. Like, if I tell him this, he's going to sit me down for ministry, and he's going he's gonna to yell at me, why don't I ever trust you? I can't believe, right? Like, we, we play these scenarios. Like, if I say something, and I, and I did all that, and, I, and that's why I sat on my confession. But the Lord puts us in a place where we have to let go before we see the answer. And so what I was doing is I was sitting there like, man, i got to hold on to this. I can't let this go. Lord, can you, just, can you just let it, can you just get this away from me, this feeling, this need to do this? He's like, no, that, because it's healing, it's healing. I want to heal you. I don't want to just forgive you. I want to heal you. So finally, I did it, and it was like I did it, and it was like my pastor was like, oh, well, let's pray. I'm like, hold on, that's it? You're not going to kick me out of church? You're not going to kick me out? No. He's like, no, 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 let's just pray. And so it was like this moment of relief, but this is what happens when we let go of whatever it is that God is asking us to is because oftentimes every time when God is asking us to let go of something, it's because he has something better on the other side. When he asks you to let go of money, it's because he has a more prosperity and more provision for you on the other side. If he asks you to let go of pride and anger, it's because he has, has some joy and fulfillment to give you on the other side. But it comes with surrender because oftentimes we won't do it because it's unclear. But I'm telling you, we have to live a life of faith where we're living as if God has already responded to what we want to give up. I'm going to live as if he's already given what he's telling me that I'm going to get. I'm going to live as if I'm already forgiven. I'm going to live as if I'm already healed. I'm going to live as if he's already provided this thing for me. Do you, you get what I'm saying this morning? And when we talk about the presence of God, we talk about welcoming him. In. And again, I'm not just talking about the church. I'm talking about your life. Jesus dwelling in your heart, walking with you. But it comes to a place where we're like, where we have to surrender the one thing. And it, come, it, it really is a test of faith to surrender this thing. But see, the sad part about this story, and I'm, I'm getting a close, so baby, if you want to come up here, please, to play. It's my wife, by the way. She's amazing. <clears throat> it's, it comes down to this one thing, and I hope this is ministering to you this morning. And again, I'm not trying to just like get to a place where it's like you come to church every day and all we talk about is surrender and surrender. But when we talk about the presence of God, the indwelling presence, it comes to, a, it's in our life to say, man, what am I holding on to that God, need, God is asking me to let go of? Like what is that thing that I refuse to hold on, I refuse to let go? Maybe it's, it's your faith. Maybe it's your doubt. Maybe it is hurt. Maybe it is bitterness. Maybe it is anger. Maybe it is money. Whatever it is, maybe it's your time. Whatever those things are, God is asking you to surrender. But can I say this, that the one who asks you to surrender is a trustworthy source. That if he says, hey, just give it to me, it's because he has something better for you and you can trust him. This is a sad part of this story is that Jesus is challenging this man, the young ruler. He say, okay, you want to follow me, surrender your money, give up your finances, all the things you've earned over your life, sell it all and give it to the poor. And he walks away. He walks away and the disciples are like, hold on, we've done that already. We've given up everything for you. So where does that leave us? And Jesus goes straight to the answer. He says, those who gave up much, basically, 
Those who gave up much will receive multiple times what they've given up. And he doesn't say in heaven. He says on the earth and in eternity. Your fulfillment can be today, but you've got to surrender. This man walked away before he could even hear Jesus talk about the provision of heaven. And this is what we do oftentimes. We'll walk away. We refuse to surrender because we don't hear what's on the other side. You know, I, I've been in church for, for my whole life. And I've seen a lot of people come and go. I've seen, I've seen it all in church, man. Church is a scary place sometimes, and I understand that. But can I encourage you to be the person that won't allow the, the hurt from the church to turn your face away from God? Can I encourage you to be the person that will, that will live life with an open hand and say, Lord, whatever you want from me, you can take it. God, whatever you desire from my life, you can take it because I trust you. Because I trust you. There's a scripture that I love, and I'm getting ready to close with this. It's Psalms 37, 25. And it says, once, <laughs> once I was young, and now I am old, yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. Never have I seen the, or another one says, never have I seen the godly forsaken. He is so faithful to us. When you live a life of surrender, you live a life of fulfillment. You live a life of purpose. I can, I can be honest with you 100% that I've never been more fulfilled in my life than I am right now. And that's because my wife and I, we've decided to live life with an open hand. We live with an open hand. When it comes to relationships, we live with an open hand. People are going to hurt you. It's going to happen. But you live with an open hand. If you're expecting to come to our church and, and never be hurt by an individual, I'm sorry to say that it's not that church. Because you're probably going to get hurt. But you live with an open hand. Lord, it's okay. I trust you. Lord, I'm going to pour my life out for people, even if they won't, even if they won't care, because I trust you. God, I'm going to give what you asked me to give, even if I feel like I can't afford it, because I don't trust my money. Lord, I trust you. God, I'm going to commit myself to the church, even if I don't feel like I'm qualified or, or ready, but because I trust you, I'm going to do it. And this is a life of fulfillment. I've never been more fulfilled in my life. And can I tell you that our savings account is a lot lower than it was when we first moved here. We don't have the same, we don't have a lot of money. We don't have the best of everything. And to be honest, we don't need it. Why? Because I have Jesus. I have Jesus. So when I go to him in the mornings and when I'm praying to him and I'm talking to him, that's my treasure. That's my reward. And when I'm in his presence, yeah, do I want to argue with my wife and, and fight over petty things? Yeah, sometimes I do. But because I'm in his presence, I surrender that to him. And instead of saying those things, I say, okay, babe, it's cool. Or I say, hey, babe, are you hungry? You need to get something to eat. Let's go get some food. And then we'll talk about this. Or sometimes I'll have to say, hey, I'm hungry. Like, let's talk about this later. But the presence of God will teach you how to love. He'll teach you how to be kind. He'll teach you how to be patient. But it comes with surrender. 
surrendering the one thing. Let me ask you this morning, what is the one thing in your life that you got to surrender? I want you to really think about that. What is that one thing in your life? Maybe for some of us, it's, it's being afraid what our friends and family will think about us. What is that one thing? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX or check us out on our website, ReclaimChurchTX.com. Thank you for listening.